Isaac Newton died an old man, even by modern standards. By those of his day, when a third to half of all children died before age 16, his was a most conspicuously long life. Born auspiciously on Christmas Day, 1642, he survived the ordinary dangers of childhood disease and accident and safely waited out the plague of 1665-66, to 66, which killed some 100,000 people in London alone, in Woolsthorpe, his rural childhood home in the country of Lincolnshire, some 100 miles north of London. Aside from a period of mental instability during 1693, no serious illness troubled him, leaving him productive and healthy well into his seventies, if less supple of mind than he had been in youth. Only in the final five years of his life did he suffer from physical impediment, a bladder problem that left him incontinent and reliant on a vegetarian diet of broth. When he felt the end was near, Newton began to prepare. From his ample estate, he made specific gifts to his many relatives, including his godson, his second cousin, and the grandson of his uncle. He also burned a number of papers, the mention of which, made by a surviving heir, is casual, as if nothing significant had been destroyed. Given the survival of much rough material, it is hard to imagine what he saw fit to burn that day. In any case, that fact is lost to history, for their contents are unknown. The last surviving letter that Newton wrote, just over a month before his death, was to the rector of his childhood village, reporting the disappointing news that an assay carried out on a bit of rock from Woolsthorpe was negative for metal. There were no more hidden riches in that village, which had remained close to Newton's heart throughout his life. Newton had one other, more urgent piece of writing to attend to. Just a few days before his death, a visitor saw him working hard to prepare a clean copy of something for the press. Rather than a mathematical treatise Newton wished to preserve for posterity, the piece in question was a highly detailed chronology of ancient history. It represented the culmination of a life devoted to study. He worked without glasses in the darkest part of his study. Remarking, a little light serves me, he discussed his calculations for the timeline with a visitor for nearly an hour. Newton attended his last meeting of the Royal Society on March 2, 1727. The next morning, he received visitors, and that, combined with the excitement of the previous day's meeting, was enough to bring back a violent cough that he had been fighting. His two physicians, the best London had to offer, were called in. They diagnosed the distemper as a stone in the bladder and determined that nothing further could be done to delay the inevitable. Though his affairs were more or less in order, Newton's death was not peaceful. His biographer and friend, William Stookley, described how his pain rose to such a height that the bed under him and the very room shook with his agonies, to the wonder of those that were present. In between these terrible spasms, however, Newton exhibited remarkable poise, smiling and talking to those around him with his usual gaiety. He remained wholly alert until the evening just prior to his death, as if the faculties of his soul were subject to a total extinction and could not feel a decay. One of the final uses to which he put his senses was to refuse the last sacrament, the Eucharist given to a dying person. His whole life was a preparation for another state, he told those at his bedside, in explanation for his extraordinary demurral, and he needed no other provision for a journey to another world. One of his physicians, Dr. Mead, later reported, to none other than Voltaire, 
that Newton also confessed on his deathbed that he was a virgin. When the end finally did come, early in the morning of Monday, March 20, 1727, Newton met it with the most exemplary and remarkable patience, truly philosophical, truly Christian, and with a resignation to the divine will equal to his other virtues. Stukely waxed elegiac that with his death Newton's spirit had taken flight, through the well-known starry orbs, but that his name would live on earth until the sun finally absorbed the planets in the last conflagration, as Newton himself had predicted.